Bibles, if you would, this morning, and let's get back to Sky. said that, and now I'm still standing Sorry, guys. Not sure what's going on this morning. We got issues. All right. Malachi chapter 1. <clears throat> Malachi chapter 1. We're continuing our study into, in our sermon series, Hallowed Be Your Name. That's the section that we're in. We didn't finish out last time. And so hopefully, Lord willing, we will finish out uh, this go-round this time. Uh, gentlemen, also, too, if I could get a little click, click, please, please. Uh, this doesn't seem to be working properly today as well. There we go. Thank you. Um, and so we began this last week. Going to try and finish it out. Our focus in, in this series of Malachi, there's a number of disputes, a number of questions, things that have been raised. Uh, God's making statements. He's saying to the people of Israel, he's saying, hey, there's some things going on here I need to address. And we started off, and right out of the gate in Malachi, you'll see he begins by saying, I've loved you. Israel's response, have you loved us? How have you loved us? And he makes the argument in response to say, Esau, I've hated Jacob, I've loved. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't. We, we see here, he asks the question, how have you loved us? Israel says, how have you loved us? He says, yet Jacob I've loved and Esau hated. And he makes the account and the argument there in, in the first part of chapter 1 uh, of where Edom was and what Edom had, the Edomites had been brought to, and they've been brought to desolation. But yet here was the people of Israel had been in captivity but we're now back in their land, back with Jerusalem being built, back to the city, uh, walls being erected. The temple worship had been returned. And so they were back in their land, doing well. hundred years back in their land. In fact, they were doing so well, they had grown, they had grown apathetic, complacent, and just sort of going through the motions. And now Malachi, the prophet, shifts his attention under the inspiration of God, and he points his finger, if you will, to the priests, the leaders. And he has some things to say to them, and that's where we find ourselves today, picking up from where we were last time. Let's look at the text, and then we will try to unpack this. We'll pick up again, uh, just for the context, again, verse 6 of chapter 1. A son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I'm a father, where's my honor? And if I'm a master, where's my reverence? Says the Lord of hosts. Do you priests who despise my name, yet you say, it won't 
is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept your, you favorably? Says the Lord of hosts. But now, entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us while this is being done by your hand. Will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in this Lord. Nor will I accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among you. In every place, incense shall be offered my name. And pure offering, my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. You profane it. And if you say, the table of the Lord is defiled and its fruit, its food is contemptible, you also say, oh, what a weariness. And sneer at it, says the Lord of hosts. And you bring the stolen and the lame and the sick. Thus you bring an offering. Should I accept this from your hand, says the Lord? The curse be the deceit. Who has in his flock a male and takes a vow, but sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared. Father, uh, I pray that you will allow your word to go out unhindered, that it will accomplish what you sit for. Lord, I pray that you will gain a holy capture of our attention, hearts and our minds, attentive to what the truth of God has to say to us. I've learned past. I guess so. Thank you. Man, I don't like these. But I'll work with it. I'm flexible today. Thank you, brother. It's right there. All right. If I break into song, y'all are all in trouble. <laughs> wow. Okay. Thank you for calling AT&T. How many? Anyway, I'm sorry. All right. Um, <laughs> anyway. My daughter gets that. Faith's not, where's Faith? She's not in here today. Yeah, that's a good thing. She's like her daddy. She laughs at her own jokes. We laugh at the jokes in our head. You know, that's, we sit in the house and, you know, anyways. All right, here we go.
Um, where's my honor? God's asking. Where's my reverence? That's the question he's asking his people. If I'm your dad, and by the way, uh, a good little study you can do throughout the Old Testament, uh, as well as the New Testament, he recognizes in the the Old Testament, the kings of Israel were were referred to as as his adopted sons. Israel was considered his chosen people, his children. In the New Testament, as many as receive him, speaking of Christ, as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God. We are adopted sons and daughters right into the family of God. We are the children of God. He's our father. When Jesus taught his people how to pray, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Christian, we have lost our reverence to our Father. We don't honor Him as we should. You think of an earthly father, even an earthly dad, receives respect, receives honor. One of God's early commands to His children, His people through the law was honor your, mo- your mother and your father, right? There's reverence due to your parents, kids. And in fact, that is one of the uh, commandments that actually comes with promise. That if you'll do this, you'll live long in the land. And so when I look around at our nation that's crumbling, when I Look at the history of Israel when they fail, when they were in trouble. It always begins, does it not, with a lack of respect and reverence for our Father. When we've forsaken His ways, when we've gone away from the things He's called us to do, when we no longer do the things that we ought to do. And so I see this here in this passage, and specifically here, The priests, the ones who were tasked with the responsibility to lead. And this hits hard. This hits heavy to my heart as a pastor. It's it's a, a, um, a gripping of my own heart. It's a reflection in my own time before before a holy God, an introspect of my failures. And no doubt many failures I have had in the name of Christ. There's a passage in Hosea, I think it's 3.9, but don't hold me to that. It says, in essence, and this is sort of a summary, as is the people, so are the priests. Now, what does that mean? Well, in modern day terms, uh, it's often said that after a pastor's been at a church for an extended period of time, it's easy to note the people begin to look like the pastor. And some of you may have heard that. That's why in our big F fundamentalist churches, you notice all the people wear the same suits and ties and carry the same translation under their arm. 
They're cookie cutter. Now, let me tell you something. I do not want cookie cutter Christians that look like me. But man, I long for believers, self-included, that reflect Christ, the great shepherd. And I'm grateful for passages like this in Scripture that, that bring my heart in check to make me reflect. And I covet your prayers as we continue through this book, as I continue my own journey of reflection of where I am before a holy God, because my desire is to be transparent in such a way that you don't see me and my flaws, but please, may God's grace be seen instead. Because Christ won't fail you. No doubt I have, many of you, and no doubt I will. But He won't. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture, not only, and we talked about this last time, it's easy to just simply pin it here on leadership. Pastor Dean, Pastor Mark, Pastor Jeremy. And say, yep, well, he's talking to priests. And we talked about this last time. It's not just priests. By the way, as mentioned last time, you too, according to the New Testament, are a holy priesthood. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. That's your responsibility, church. That's my responsibility. You're called a royal priesthood in, in 1 Peter 2, 9. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. It's for the whole church. This message is for the whole church. And because of our great high priest, Jesus Christ, we have access to come boldly to the throne of grace so we can obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Where's my honor? Where's my reverence? We talked about how God's name deserves honor. Uh, we, we see this phrase mentioned throughout as we read through it. I, I, again, I highlighted this, but I want to recap. Jehovah of armies, the Lord of hosts. It's a judgment title, meaning that God has all the heavenly and earthly armies at his disposable to judge the people. And when he just gave the contrast of what, look at what the Edomites have done. They've tried to rebuild. They're going to try to rebuild again, but I'm going to continue to knock them down. So their name will no longer be remembered upon the earth. And that's why you cannot find the Edomite nation on the planet today. He makes a prophetic warning in the passage that we read. I hope you picked up on it. He talked about, and we'll look at it a little closer hopefully later, where his name will be honored. If he has to do so in the Gentile nation. And guess what? He did. We're told in the New Testament, Romans, hey, don't think, church, don't think, Gentile, if the original branch, the natural branch, Israel was broken off and so that you could be grafted in, that he can't do the same. There is a time of the Gentiles that's coming to a close. You know, a lot of people, if you've been watching the news, there's a, a lot of speculation if the time of the West is coming to an end. 
It's coming to an end. Many would say, many would claim, well, I know it's coming to an end at some point. Jesus talked about it. There will be a time that I believe, eschatologically, that's end time study. I think there's going to be a time, according to Scripture, where the times of the Gentiles will come to a close and God will shift His attention back to His chosen people Israel. Because God's name deserves honor. But you say, well, how have we defiled you? Notice again the text, what the priests are saying, Malachi 1.7. And, he, and they, they ask this question back again. He said, you're defiling my name. And, and the priests say, well, how? How have, we, how have we defiled your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. That's how. Notice uh, the passages here on the screen. Uh, Malachi 1.7 in the NASB puts it this way. You're presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In, in that you say the table of the Lord is to be despised. Your actions are showing what you believe. These priests are accepting lame, blind, crippled, defective sacrifices. And as was mentioned last week, the importance of understanding why this is so wrong is because it defiles the very nature and character and name of God. Because these sacrifices are to represent the pure and perfect Lamb of God who was to come to take away the sin of the world. And so if the priests are substituting a false representation, something that's not perfect, something that falls short, what does that say about the coming Lamb of God? And we know that the coming Lamb of God is without blemish. You see, the firstborn uh, of, of, the, of the fold was supposed to be that which was offered in the sacrifices. The, the, that first male born, that, that, that without blemish, that, that sacrifice that was to be made. And this was, a, uh, this was according to the law. So the priests are forsaking their responsibility by neglecting the law. Go back and some of you, somebody told me the other day, I'm reading through the Bible and I'm in Leviticus. <laughs> well, you'll get to some of this. That some of the requirements of how the priests were to offer these sacrifices. What types of sacrifices are acceptable? And why is that important? And it's important because our responsibility before a holy God is to honor his name. had the privilege last night of having uh, some Boy Scouts over uh, to the house. Big campfire, sitting around. Uh, shout out to them, awesome. They came out here, they asked, could we camp? Some, some of their camping plans, I guess, fell through where they were supposed to go. And so Mr. Young, Dale Young, reached out and said, hey, can I bring the troop over here and camp in the woods? And uh, absolutely. They, they came over, they've been here Friday, Saturday, Sunday, they left this morning. They worked the whole time they were here. They cleaned the ditch. Dean, I should have started them up a little further near your house, but they didn't quite get there, brother, sorry. Maybe next trip. But they started at the back of our property line and they went all the way down 
to, to our, our neighbor down there with the white, white fence right past Stephen and Shays. They did all the way back down through, through there. Clean that ditch out. I mean, the town of LaGrange will be proud of them. The dumpster's full today because of all the trash they, they, they cleaned out. They also uh, cleaned our trail. They cleaned the prayer garden. And uh, they began work on a second bridge uh, from the teen room across the ditch. And so I had them over last night, and we sat around the campfire, and I, I sent out an emergency text because it was kind of a last-minute situation that came about asking for prayer as I shared the gospel. And I shared the passage in Luke 18 and the uh, young ruler who comes to Jesus and a and, uh, very providential text, but I didn't realize there was a young man in the group that was there. He's a Catholic, goes to a St. Mary's church and was very engaged and began to ask questions and very good question, was very observant in the text that was being read. And I asked the question, what does God require for us to be in heaven? To be good or to be perfect? And he immediately said to be good. And I said, well, how good is good enough? And you could see the, the smoke. You know, it wasn't from the fire. It was from him thinking. I said, God demands perfection. And we got a problem. Because ain't none of us perfect. Last time I checked, guys, ain't none of us perfect. Before you and I choose to look down our nose at others and their imperfections, can I just remind us all? I don't need you to tell me how bad I am. I know. Actually, I'm a lot worse than you think. I know I need a Savior. I know I need a Savior. And that's not an excuse, guys, to, for any of us to excuse our imperfections. Please understand, we're, we're all on the journey, right? We're all on the walk. And so our goal should be to encourage one another and help each other. The young man sat there and he, he seemed to kind of get it. And so the Lord brings it to mind, pray for him. Pray for these guys. Gospel seed was planted. Gospel seed was watered. And I pray God to bring the increase. These priests in Malachi were responsible to present sacrifices that were without blemish because of the significance, what it points to, what it represents. And so they weren't doing that. They were breaking the law, the ceremonial law, the sacrificial law. They were they were not honoring God in so doing this. Notice verse 8. When you offer blind animals and sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you offer those that are lame or sick, is that not evil? Present that to your governor. See uh, if he'll accept you or show you favor, says the Lord of hosts. I mean, try and offer that when you go to pay your taxes, right? Try those kind of shenanigans. In this case specifically, think about it. They were back in the land. They were under Persian rule. And so there were governors of the regions. And, and so they were oftentimes, you know, taking them some of these things to offer to them to be good citizens, to be in good standing with the, with the regional governor. Good day, governor. Anyway, sorry, just wanted that to be done. Um, but they were bringing to them probably the best of their fold. And yet giving to God the leftovers. 
And in so doing, they were defiling God's uh, altar as well. So not only are they despising his name, they're defiling God's altar. Notice if you would here on the screen. Malachi. And he says here in in verse 9. Go ahead. Beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering. Why should he show any favor at all? Asked the Lord of heaven's armies. You ever wonder that church? You know, I think too often times uh, we find ourselves in this situation, don't we? We want God's blessing in our life. We want God's favor in our life, especially you get yourself in a pickle, right? You get yourself in a difficult situation. We call those the blue light prayers. You know, blue lights come on behind you. You start praying like never before. Go ahead. Thank God to be merciful to you. But when you're bringing this kind of sacrifice, when you're, kind of, when you're doing these things intentionally and deliberately, church, we've got to wake up. We are living in such a way as God's people today that I believe God would probably say the same thing to us as the church in America. See, the altar was a special place. It was a place where those sacrifices would be, would be lifted, would be uh, put upon. And, and even today in the New Testament church, you know, a lot of times in churches, they'll say, hey, come on down to the altar, right, and pray. Come down, lay your burdens down, and, and, and so forth. And the imagery and the representation of going to God that throne room of grace that we as a priesthood of believers have access to because of our great high priest. And yet how oftentimes we're coming to him in these moments, in these situations, in our lives, but we're living contrary and we're intentionally and deliberately forsaking what he's called us to. He said in verse 10, I wish one of you would shut the temple doors. No longer kindle a useless fire on my altar. I'm not pleased with you, says the Lord of armies. There's that phrase again. I'm not pleased with you. I will accept no offering from your hands. Wow. Can you imagine coming here to the front of the church and... and Offering up a prayer and God says, I ain't having it. Yeah, you know, I, I went to a church years back and and it was and I'm not pleased, miss don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I mean, if if God's drawing you, that's great. I wish sometimes our altars were filled with people praying. We will have times, I pray, that, that the God will move and we'll genuinely be praying. And there are times to call people down front and, and pray. But I was in one of those churches where it just was so traditional. It was like playing the song five times through. Let's sing another one. 
and it was just like automatic every Sunday morning. People up, up, down front, crying, hugging, up, boop. as soon as the music stops, it's like the Holy Spirit stopped. Now they back up and go back to their pews. And I think too often times they, there's this conditioning, right? And, and again, I, I don't know the hearts of people. That's between them and God. But I'm just saying it became so writ, so rote, so traditional. It became so ceremonial that it was just secondhand to do that. And yet, sometimes there was no change in their lives. There was no transformation of the lives of some of those that, that we saw. And you wonder, you know, and again, guilty. That was a church I attended as a, as a child going, and I can tell you, countless times down front at the altar praying. As a teenager praying. I didn't get saved born again until I was 25. Those were real emotional moments. There were real moments that I remember as a teenager going forward because in the moment I was emotionally pulled in my heart and so I went forward and, and prayed. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. But it became a routine, if you will, it became a tradition of such. And so what's happening here with the people of Israel, it's become routine. It's become tradition. And God says, that's a useless fire on the altar. What are you doing? They were defiling God's altar. They, were, they should have been declaring God's name. That's what should have been happening. Notice, if you would, the text here in, in, in verse 11, Malachi 1.11. From for from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name, and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says, there's that phrase again, Lord of hosts. Do you think about right now, even with all this craziness going on with the war uh, in the world right now, and who knows where it may go to, God knows. But that even that is at his bidding. That he's allowing this ultimately for his name. It will be great among the nations. I believe, again, this is a prophetic utterance. Number one, we know that the gospel would move to the Gentiles upon Israel rejecting Christ as their Messiah. That part's fulfilled. Is it not? This idea of from the rising of the sun. Even to its going down, my name shall be great among the nations. He talks about, in every place shall be offered to my name a pure offering, for my name shall be great among the nations. The idea here again is that where the sun shall shine, a continual praise. And I believe ultimately that's going to be fulfilled in the millennial kingdom. But I believe it's also could easily be said that it's filled today amongst God's people. There are people all around the world, many nations, who are worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And so God was letting it be known to the people of Israel, His name shall be great. You want to defile my name? God says. I've got people 
he says that even if he should ask the trees or the rocks to cry out, he will be praised. He doesn't need us, guys. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. He wants us to recognize him for who he is, that we might make ourselves available to be used for his name, for his glory. And I don't know about you, but here I am, coach, put me in. <laughs> That's my attitude. Man, I used to hate being the sixth man on the bench in a basketball, you know. I was just kind of, always like try to sit close to the coach. Hopefully he'd put me in next, right? I wanted to be in the game. I didn't want to be sidelined. Christian, let's don't be on the sideline. Let's be in the game. That's where the action is. That's where we need to be. That's, that's where it's at. In church, we have an opportunity to, to recognize that God is still at work in the nations and he's desiring to do his work in and through you, his people. Through us, his church. We've got to return to the altar of God in such a way that we begin to petition him with pure hearts, with clean hands, with a clear conscience, in a way that honors and glorifies him. We got a great opportunity coming up. All right? I hope you are praying for our outreach. In your bulletin, you see, we got this car and bike show, right? Truck show coming up. Never done anything like this before. Hallelujah! Something new! Pray for Rhoda and Kendall. They, they, they're helping put these pieces together. They're, they're needing volunteers or sign-up sheets or something on the, should have been announced. There's some little sign-up sheets out on the table if you didn't get one. we got a great opportunity here. Share this with others. That God's name might be magnified. We plan to share the gospel through literature. We plan to share the gospel at the award ceremony, there's opportunity for Christ to be lifted high in this. Pray for that. Pray for that. Declaring God's name. We also see, though, they were dishonoring God's name. Verses 12 and 13. Notice, if you would, Malachi 1.12. But you dishonor my name with your actions by bringing contemptible food. You are saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. So what those priests are doing is they're setting the example, and they're saying, oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, listen, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah it's fine. I know, I know that animal's been dead for a week. Don't worry about it. No need to throw it out. It stinks already. Let me just put it up here and burn it. They were making excuses for the people, right? They were allowing it to happen. You know, some of the, the, the greatest... What if I use that word? Some of the biggest problems that I've probably had through my ministry is when I did not bring accountability to a situation that I should have. It's easy to do. Right? Because nobody wants to be that friend. Right? You know a friend's doing something they shouldn't be doing. You don't want to be that friend to lovingly correct them, right? Because you're afraid it might hurt their feelings. 
try being a pastor and, and, and see some of the things that you see and some things that you hear about or know about, and you think, oh, but you know what? If I love you, I care for you, I must, right? I have to. It's just like a mom and a dad, a parent, when your child, you know your child is involved in something that potentially can harm them or is damaging to them, their testimony or to the family. If you love them, you must intercede. You must say something. You must do something. Regardless of what they think about it. Regardless of how it's perceived. And so these priests should not have been condoning these sacrifices. They should have been saying, no, that's not acceptable. The word of God says, so pray for your pastors that we will stand. The word of God says, now there's a difference between being a Pharisee, a legalist, right? And the spirit of the law. Too often times that's the other danger that pastors and, 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 and if we're not careful believers, we can fall into that we begin to become legalists in those standards. And that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the heart of the law, that spirit of the law that says, this is not God's way. Let me come alongside you and reason with you, with love and grace. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. Proverbs teaches us this. And so these people, these priests were being deceitful in their offerings and they were teaching their followers to be the same way. And so we see this happening. Notice the deceiving in God's name because ultimately this is what they were doing. Oh, let me back it up because I, I, I do want to say this. This, this, is, this is important. Let me back up for a second because I want to hit this first. God calling out the, the priests. You say, it's too hard to serve the Lord. And you turn up your noses at my commands. That, that word, some of yours may say, you sneer or you, um, uh, somebody give me one of your, your words there. It's, um, what is it? Snub, yours is snub. What's somebody else's say here? Sneer. What's another one? Snort, there it is. Right? Yeah, yeah. What's that called? Blowing raspberries. That's modern translation. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you blow what's it? Raspberries. That's what they're doing. This is the attitude, this is the reflection of the heart. Towards God. Yeah, how does that go over in your house? Kids, I need you to clean your room. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you talk about the uh, dis disciplining hand of the Father, right? <laughs> so, this is, this is what's happening. Think of it. Animals that are stolen. Hey, man. Hey, I got some doves right here. Got you some doves right here. Hey, want some of these doves? When do they, hey, take them to the altar, man. They're accepting them. Cheap, cheap, cheap. They're stolen. Crippled, sick, and they're being presented as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Asked the Lord. So they're despising 
And, and they're deceiving. Look at how they're deceiving in God's name. Verse, verse 14 says this. By the way, I, I, I want to say when he talked about being weary, some of your passages, the previous passage, talked about being weary. You know there is a difference between I'm tired from the work and I'm tired of the work. Let me say that again. There's a big difference in I'm tired from the work and I'm tired of the work. They were tired of the work. Guys, I recognize that when we labor for Christ, trust me, I'm 20-some years in ministry. Sometimes I am tired from the work. But I am not tired of it. It is a joy, it is a privilege, it is an honor to be able to be in the work of the Lord. And so I recognize sometimes you can get weary in the battle. Sometimes it's hard doing ministry. I get it. I get it. But can I just encourage you from the word of God? Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because in due season, you shall reap if you don't faint. So keep on keeping on for Christ. So again... Deceiving in God's name. But cursed be the deceiver who has in his flock a male and takes a vow. But sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I'm a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name is to be feared among the nations. You know what's happening here? And again, here in the latter part of the verse, you see that it's not just the priest, it's the people. So you've got them both. God's targeting both here near the end of this section. And he'll continue and pick that up in, in chapter 2 on the priest and then shift again to the people. And so he's, he's hitting all these people of Israel. He's saying to the people uh, of, of, his, of his namesake, he's saying, look, you've got good sheep at your house to offer. And you say, oh, I'm going to bring you a good one. But instead, you bring that crippled and lame one. Knowing good and well, you've made a vow to promise to bring the good one, but you keep him back. You know what this is like? Acts 5, 1 through 11. Read this if you would, please. Acts 5, 1 through 11. I'm going to ask you guys to take over the click so I can focus here uh, as we go through this passage, please. Notice if you would, uh, Acts 5, 1 through 11. But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. And he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, Was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but to God. Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now, It was about three hours later when his wife came in 
not knowing what had happened. And Peter answered her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much? She said, Yes, yeah, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it that you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have carried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. They lied. They deceived. Intentionally. They made people think they were doing this and they weren't. That's what's going on in Malachi. You're making this vow. Oh, I'm going to give God this. I, and, and there's no doubt, you know, whether it's the priest or the people. Doing it to be seen by others. But they're deceiving. They're not bringing their best. They're not giving their all. And again, the point here in this passage, Peter says, look, you sold the land. Nobody told you to give X amount. You're the one that said you were going to give X amount to the Lord. Even after you sold it, was it not in your possession? You could have done with it what you want, but you instead lied about it. This is the first church discipline case in the New Testament. And I believe it's there intentionally, church, for us to be fearful of a holy God who knows all things. And I think it's also important because it's a reminder to us as God's people that we're not going to get away with the things we think sometimes we get away with. Be sure your sin will find you out. And so if you're here today and you're caught up in some type of sin that is causing you to trip and to stumble and you feel like, man, I can't. Can, can, I, can I tell you, you can in Christ. He's the only way out. He's the only hope you and I have. But we've got to set that aside if we're going to run this race. But you're not fooling anyone. God sees and God knows. And the best thing you can do is get your heart and life right. Quit trying to play the game of church and offering blemish, sacrifice, careless worship. God knows. And I believe God is giving us a warning in Malachi that we might have a season of repentance. And if we don't hear and heed, whoa, to us, Community Baptist Church. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man shall sow, he shall reap. And it is a fearful and dreadful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Church, this is a big warning for us. So conclusion. How's your worship? How's our worship? Are you offering lame worship? 
I don't mean, man, that worship was lame this morning. No, no, no. I'm talking about are we giving God what he's worthy of? Or are we kind of half-hearted in our involvement? You know, there was a day when life centered around the local church. I'm thankful for a family, won't, won't call them out by name, they know who they are, but came into the area and said, Pastor, we want to find a local church we can be involved in, be effective agents for Christ, ambassadors for Christ in our community. That's someone who gets the importance of the local church. Guys, the local church is God's plan. We're the hub. And I promise you right now in Ukraine, those believers, those believers are interdependent in a way like you cannot imagine for their local church, within their local church. When the world begins to fall apart, we begin to come together. We begin to hold strong and have each other's back. That's what the local church is about, right? We, our hub is, is the church, it's the believers, it's this assembly. So we need to stop our half-hearted, one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Is your worship blind? You're not seeing the significance and importance of what our role and responsibility is in this world? How do you think the retirement accounts of those Ukrainians in the city are doing right now? You think they're worried about that? Think they're worried about their retirement home? Think they're worried about their next vacation? God, open our eyes that we might see the importance. We need to stop despising God's name. We need to stop defiling God's altar, church. We need to stop dishonoring God's name. We need to stop deceiving in God's name. Or are you declaring God's name by how you live? It's time for us to recognize who we are and whose we are and return to a heart of worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 puts it this way. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living Sacrifice. Holy. And pleasing to God. This is your true worship. You want to know how to heal your worship? Here's how we heal our worship. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age. But be transformed. By the renewing of your mind. So that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. That's what God's called us to. This is what God, in light of what he's given us, in light of his mercies, this is what he wants us to be. A living sacrifice. Are we willing to do that?
Are we offering God less than our best? Here are three standards, just a little takeaway application for you. Three standards of sacrifices to test our worship and service to God. So, so answer this question in your heart. Are we giving to God first? Matthew 6.33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. These things will be added unto you. Can I beg you today, if God is not center in your life, if he doesn't have preeminence in your heart, if he's not your number one uno, if he is not the center of everything, that's where it begins. And if, he, if, if, if you will surrender the throne of your heart to him and let him set up afresh on your heart, I promise you, his word will not return void. He cannot lie. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these things will be added are we giving god our best or is he getting our leftovers ah yeah didn't bring any money today i'll catch it next time or is there an intentional, intentional act of worship every time that I drop that in the plate, that I recognize, thank you, Lord God, for your provisions. Thank you for how you give me what I have. Everything is yours. Yet, Lord, I want to show you respect and honor and appreciation of worship in an act of worship. And I want to give thank you, thank you, thank you. A hilarious giving. Are we offering... Are we offering God a sacrifice that costs us something? You know, I, I will admit even there, sometimes it's just easy. Boop, it's just rope, it's just rope, it's rope when it comes to my tithes, right? We've gotten so custom. My wife and I try every year, and, and we can always do better, always can do better, but we always try every year to move our giving forward. Move our giving forward. Why well, we can't this year, we got this. You know what? We both agree. Not, it's non-negotiable. We have to continue to stretch. If my worship, if my life of living isn't costing me anything, then what is it? What, what is it? It's, it's just comfortable. God's not called us to be comfortable. God's not called us to be happy. He's called us to be holy. And he's called us to be obedient. And so I encourage you to let the Spirit of God have his will and his way in your life today that our hearts would return to a heart of worship. We need to repent. We need to return. We need to be restored. That was what God was calling the people of Israel to. That's what God was calling the priests to. And I believe that's what God is calling us to today let us pray father i pray that i have honored your name by preaching your word and sharing the truths that are clear in scripture and that you call us to in response as your people today lord have your will and your way in our hearts and our lives and so, Lord, as we pray in this closing moment, may we truly open our hearts to be barren before you, be transparent, search us, try us, 
and consume all our darkness. Lord, I'm reminded of Israel when they took on little Ai. Should have been an easy victory. Instead, they were sent packing, getting it handed to them. Only to discover that there was one in the camp, Achan, who was secretly disobeying the command of God. Didn't think anyone knew, didn't think anyone would find out. But it was discovered. And it didn't just cost him, it cost his family everything. It affected all of God's people. And so, Lord, I pray this day in this closing moment, if there be any sin in our camp, your camp, that you will shine your light on that heart today, that there would be confession, but most importantly, Lord, there would be repentance, and that you would allow that repentance and that restoration to take place. And so, Lord, cleanse your church. Cleanse us, your priests, your priesthood, your holy nation. Help us to be the people you've called us to be. That your name would be great in the nations. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you guys and gals. Um, Wednesday, we'll look forward to seeing you. Um, uh, again, take those flyers that are in your bulletin. Please find a good place for them, not the trash. And uh, let's get the word out and be in much prayer. We'll see you, Lord willing, next time. Thank you.